Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. This morning we'll be finishing up and wrapping up a series that we've uh, started a, a few weeks back on Attack of the Heart. And uh, this morning we're just going to, I'm going to talk on the peace of God this morning and we're going to wrap it up. We started a number of weeks back with uh, the love of God, that we would love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We went from that to that we would learn to forgive and that we would forgive others. Then from there we talked about being content and being content in our Christian lives and being content in, in who we are and where we are. And last week I, I spoke on having joy in sacrifice. Today, all of these things are a part of our lives and a part of everything that we do within the Christian realm and with our Christian walk, Lord willing, that you are loving God, Lord willing, that you are continuing to grow and your desire is to, to forgive others and to seek forgiveness and to, to, to build and to, to reinstate some of those relationships maybe, but, but also to, to live and, and have contentment in where we are and to, to be able to sacrifice and to deny ourselves to have that joy and that, that joy that only Christ can give to us. And today, we wrap all of this up with with this, this thought that to have peace in our lives, to be able to make decisions, to be able to do the things, to be able to live, to be able to do all the things that we do on a regular basis and just have an inner peace about who we are. As we have been talking, we've talked about a number of different things uh, regarding to obviously the heart, and I've, I've mentioned from the beginning, it's kind of a, a series that's kind of a medication so that we don't have spiritual heart attack. We've talked about diet, we've talked about eating right and going to the gym and doing some different things, and we've talked a number of those things. This morning I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about something in the introduction here for just a few moments that really affects each and every one of us in some way, shape, or form, and, and regardless of where we are in life. The greatest or the number one cause of death in America is some form of heart disease. Some form of, of heart issues that we die from. And there's a number of things that we do every day that either help that cause or that hurt that cause. Some of those things are more obvious than others. Some of them, it's we all understand and we all recognize that a McDonald's cheeseburger is probably not the best thing for the arteries and the best thing for our internal parts. Now that doesn't mean that McDonald's has lost business, but the reality is they can put the calorie counts all over every menu, however much that they want. I know when I go to McDonald's that it's not healthy for me. Whether you put a calorie up there or you don't put a calorie up there, I know this is not good for my body. Same thing for others. But there's also, there's some things that we just know. That's probably not the best thing for my heart, but you know what? It's, I like... A, a cheeseburger from McDonald's. I like their fries. I like their whatever. I don't know if it's McDonald's, Burger King, your choice of fast food restaurant, In-N-Out, Five Guys, Chipotle. Shall we continue? It's 11.05. It's about lunchtime, right? But no, we understand those things. I understand that if I do no form of exercise at all, that's probably not the best thing for my physical well-being. If all I do is sit and eat, it's not the greatest thing for my body. I don't have to tell anybody in here. Whether you exercise or you don't exercise, I don't have to tell you that. We all recognize that exercise is healthy. There's also other things. Anybody ever been stressed before? Did you know stress was bad for your body? Stress is not good for you. It's not healthy. Stress does things to your blood pressure. Stress does things to your cholesterol levels. 
Stress causes us to do things that we know we shouldn't do. I don't know how many times I've talked to people. I've got to go get a cigarette. I am so stressed out. We do things because of stress. I, I, that's not, I should not say that. People drink too much because of stress. I almost said I drink too much because of stress. If you come to my house, no. But people drink too much. People binge eat. They're stressed out and they go to the kitchen and they've got to have chips and Twinkies and whatever else and we eat because of stress. We do so many things because of certain things in our lives to help alleviate the stress or whatever it would be. There's so many different things that cause those things. As I was studying and as I was looking up and I was thinking about peace and I was thinking about the calm of peace in our lives and I was thinking of the thing that just kept coming to my mind was that idea of stress. So as I got online and I started to look at what stress does to the body and what stress does to the heart, knowing that heart issues are the number one cause of death in our country. Multiple sources basically said, we know for a fact, but we can't prove it 100% scientifically what stress does in all of these areas. They know that it causes some cholesterol issues or your cholesterol can go up or down or different things. If you've been at a hospital and you have somebody that's on the monitor system, you could say a few things to them and you can watch it go, you know, because it, it, it does those things. But as we look at all of these different thoughts and we look at these things, we recognize stress is not good for us. I mentioned smoking. Many people go and they will say, smoking is a calm to me and it is a stress release or a relief. The reality is, scientifically, nicotine actually acts as a stimulant and brings on more stress-related symptoms to our body. I never knew that. That was kind of interesting to read, and I thought that was kind of funny, because I've been told by a million people, hey, I smoke because it relieves my stress, and I'm reading this, and I'm going, wait, that's kind of comical. It actually does the exact opposite of what we're trying to do. How about this? Two things that we know for sure and for fact that are good for us and that we need. We need sleep, and we need a proper or decent diet in our bodies. Right? Just talking about stress. It's got really quiet in here. Maybe cigarettes wasn't the... I wasn't trying to point anybody out. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that was a bad thing. I don't know. (laughs) Jesus. It's been four minutes and we're done. Um, But no, when we look at... We know physically you need sleep. We know physically we need a decent diet. Whether we do those things or not, that's, what, that's up to us, we, but we recognize that. We also recognize that stress is not good for us. But stress causes us to have poor sleep habits. If you're super stressed and your mind is going a million miles a minute, how often do you get a great night's sleep and you put your head down and you're out and eight hours later you're like, oh... This was the greatest rest of my life. If you're like me, you don't sleep very well when you're stressed. If I'm incredibly stressed, I don't only not sleep well, I don't eat well. Me personally, I don't eat when I'm stressed. My stomach gets in knots if I'm being bugged by something. I'll just be, I'm antsy, I, I want to figure it out, and I, my mind is going, and my mind is going, and it's, hey, so stress causes me not to sleep and causes me not to eat well. For you, you may sleep fine, I don't know, and I'm just using an example, but here's what I'm getting at this morning, and we'll get to the points in just a moment. But stress in the things of our life causes so many things that we recognize and that we know are bad for us. Yet there's things that God's Word has called for us to do and to apply. And we look through this last few weeks of series. 
If I love God with all my heart, soul, and I've given everything to God, as I grow and as I begin to know Him better and I serve Him and I'm, I'm reading God's Word and my prayer life and everything that I, I'm just doing everything that I can to come to know God better and better and better every day. I'm loving Him. God tugs on my heart and He works on my heart and He works on my heart and I begin to realize, man, there's people that I need to forgive. There's people that I need to seek forgiveness because I've done something wrong. And, and I, I begin to take these strides. I begin to realize that I live a life that is so discontent and I, I have to make an extra dollar and I have to get a better car and I have to have a nicer house and I, I have to have and I have to have and my clothes aren't this and this isn't this and I'm not happy with my physical appearance and I'm not this. I'm just unhappy and I'm discontent. And I realize those things as I begin to fall greater in love with God. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm working on loving God and I'm working on forgiveness. And now God is working more on this contentment issue. And i got to become more content. And I, in that whole process, I am, I am slowly realizing and figuring out the joy that we talked about last week is beginning to come with, as I'm falling in love with God, I'm starting to deny myself. I'm starting to sacrifice the things that I once thought that I had to have and that I needed. And I'm, I'm denying those things and I'm becoming happy. And I'm not happy because of all my circumstances are perfect. But I'm becoming happy because I'm becoming content because I have nobody and I have no odd against people. And I'm forgiven and I'm asking forgiveness and I'm, I'm falling in love with God. And all of these things come to where we are today, which leads us to a place of peace in our heart. Now, I'm not here this morning, though I wish I was, to be able to say, listen, if you do this, this, and this, you will have no stress. If I could do that, I would not be standing here, and I would not have just moved into a little house. I would have been standing in front of thousands of thousands of people with a really, really, really big house and a really cool car. Because I'd be making lots of money because I had the one, two, three of eliminating all stress in the world. It's impossible. We're human beings with the fallen nature. However, God has given us so many things with the desire of you and I being created to be like Him. With you and I being created to live a life that is not full of those things. Hey, I don't have to live a life full of stress. I don't have to live a life full of discontentment. I don't have to live that life. God's Word says in John 14, and we'll be there this morning, but in John 14 it says, Peace I leave with you. In Philippians chapter 4 it says, Do not be anxious in anything, and the peace of God which surpasseth all understanding will guard your heart. Think about that. The very, first word, the very first week of this series, I made reference in Proverbs where it says that we are to guard our heart. Well, if we look at Philippians 4, it says what? That the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, God's peace that He wants to give to us, will guard our heart. Now, I'm maybe speaking out of theological realm here, but if I put the two together, my stress, my discontent, all of the things that cause me worry, that cause me stress, that cause me grief, that cause me hardship, much of that comes back to having an inner peace in my life. And if I have the inner peace of God in my life, and He's guarding my heart, do you see the, the it all works hand in hand. It goes together. John 16, that in, the, that in me you may have peace. Isaiah 26, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Romans 16, the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. I could go on and on and on reading Scripture and quoting passages of Scripture that have to do with God giving us peace and God providing us peace. And He, he does that in, in not just 
all of these things, but it's, he speaks of it in, do not be anxious. Do, do not do, why? Because it's, it's all a part of this stress thing. It's all a part of the attack of the heart. It's all a part of these things as we wrap all this together this morning. It is clear that God's design and desire is for you and I to live in peace. So let me ask you this question. What is peace? What is peace? Because what you and I should believe peace to be, and what most of us would say that peace is, are probably two completely different things. Because here's what most people would say that peace is. Peace is the absence of trouble. Peace is the absence of trouble. If you talk to most people, what do we see? You've got the 60s, 70s hippies. Peace. Everything is peace. Peace and love. No war. Peace. Because if we get rid of all the wars and we get rid of all of these things, we will have peace. Hey, guess what's not true? That statement. Because the absence of trouble is not peace. However, that's what most people would believe. Is that if I can get rid of all of the junk and all of the the trouble of the world, if we could just solve the Middle East crisis, then we would have peace in the world and everything would be great. Well, that thought is that peace comes minus trouble and the, the absence of trouble gives us peace. I could go around to many of your homes we could go around to the country of many people and they would, we could look at them and there's no major trouble, there's no major issue in their life, but there's discontentment and there is no peace within their life. People would sit in this room that you may not even look across, you would not even know, you wouldn't, if you were to truly get to know somebody in this room, you would think, man, that guy is so on fire for Christ, that lady is awesome, and if you got to know them, you would think, man... They have discontentment, and there's not a peace in their life right now. Well, there's no major trouble in their life. There's no major circumstance in their life. Peace isn't the absence of trouble. If we look at Scripture, peace has absolutely nothing to do with circumstance or situation. If we look at it in the terms of the absence of trouble, then never in all of history have any of us experienced peace. If it's only the absence of trouble, there is not one person that's ever walked the face of this earth outside of Christ that has experienced true peace. We lack a peace of God. Think about this. You and I come into this world as enemies of God. When I was born, June 9th, 1980, I was born an enemy of God. I was born at odds with my Creator. Therefore, no peace. No peace. Because whether I like to realize it or not, whether the people outside of this walls like to realize it or not, whether you and I that sit here today like to realize it or not, we were born the enemy of the Almighty God, the Creator God, because we were born in sin, a a failing human being. We were born in sin because of the fall of Adam way back in Genesis chapter number 1. There is no peace in that. We have a sin nature. God the Father then sent His Son to die to take upon Himself the sin of all mankind for all time on His shoulders. All the weight of sin of the world at one time Jesus carried to the cross. And it was at that point when He goes to the cross and He says it is finished and the veil is torn from the top down. And we talked a little bit about this last week. 
that we were then given access to be reconciled to Him. Three days later, He would rise from the dead. It is in this moment, these opportunities, this only opportunity, that you and I have an opportunity to have peace with God. Outside of that, there is no peace. Because peace comes from God. Not the absence of war. Not the absence of trouble. Not the absence of anything. Comes from God. And as we know God, as we come to know Him, the Holy Spirit lives within us, giving us and dwelling in us the peace of God. Romans chapter 5 says that being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Upon trusting in Christ and being redeemed and being declared righteous by faith, our sin is forgiven. Rebellion ceases to war inside of us and we have peace with God. Colossians chapter 1 says that He made peace by the blood of His cross. It goes on to say even a little bit further that though we were alienated, or though we were against, or though we were enemies, we were hostile in our mind towards Him, He reconciled me in His flesh, in His fleshly body through death. Why? That we could be presented holy, blameless, righteous before an Almighty God. That we could have peace with Him. If you would go with me in John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14, we'll read starting in verse number 15. The core, the, the strength or the core part of my, my message will be towards the, the end of, of this chapter here. But we'll start in, in John 14 in verse number 15. And we haven't done this in a long time. Would you stand with me? And we're going to read together the Word of God as we stand. I'll start in 15. You come in in 16 and we'll go back and forth that way through the end of the chapter. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. And that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered, love, let me say this real quick. That statement, that verse will be the premise of my entire uh, the points this morning is how will how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said and unto him in twenty three, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. These things I have spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. 
And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is, be, when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, arise, let us go hence. Father God, I thank you for the day that you've given to us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak boldly through your word. God, that you would reign supreme and that you would challenge us as we're here for these next few moments. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. And you may be seated. Thank you. I want to ask you this question before we get into the points this morning. You have all of the power. You have all control. You could say you're a dictator. You could call yourself a god. You could call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. But go with me. Just think through this for just a moment. You have all power and all control. You know your life is about to come to an end. It could be the next couple days. It could be in the next week or so. But you know you have all the power at your hands. You could snap it and it's done. You could say it and it'll take place. And I come to you and I say, hey... This world is at odds. This world has lots of problems. There's so many things that need to be fixed, that need to be corrected. And you have the opportunity in your hand to say, these are the things that need to be corrected. What would that look like for you? What would that look like? Think about the things that some of us would say, man, I would love to fix this. I would love to fix world hunger and poverty. We live in a society of just words. We are just spoiled, rotten. And I would love to to cure all of poverty, all the world's poverty. That would be awesome. I think the statistic is somewhere around, if you make around $30,000, you're in the top 10% of the world. And that's considered poor in the States. I don't know what you make. Most everybody in this room is in the top 10% of the world economically. But we could cure all of poverty. Maybe it's not poverty. Maybe, maybe you're a polit- political junkie and you're like, man, I wish I could just get rid of all the, the garbage politically. Get rid of the corruption and get rid of the, the, the money that's thrown away and get rid of all of these things. Get rid of Whatever it would be, I don't know. Maybe you would like to say, I, would, I wish I, if I could do anything, I would solve the Middle East conflict. It's been going on since Genesis chapter 16, verse number 11, where Ishmael was coming into the scene, and it said that he would be at aught with all men. Good luck. We can do anything. You could do anything. What would it be? I want you to think about that thought. Because in John chapter number 14, Jesus is on His way to Gethsemane. Jesus is not too far. He knows just in a short time, He is about to be arrested. And in a short time after that, His life would be taken and He would would be giving Him His life for the sake of all mankind and for the sins of the world. And here Jesus is, and he's asked the question that I made reference to in verse number uh, 22, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus had the power. Jesus had the ability Jesus could have snapped and made all things fine. Jesus could have at that moment said, you know what, I'm about to die. I'm about to be gone from here. And I better go over here and I better go back to Jerusalem and I better snap my fingers and ship shape things up and get, get, get it going so that this is at peace. There's no more war going on over here. Hey, I, got, I, I better go over here because these people are poor and they don't have anything and I better go fix the, the situation and I better solve all the problems that are all across the world in which he lived at that time. 
But yet we come to a passage of Scripture. And though Jesus had every opportunity to snap his fingers and correct all things that were bad in the world, Jesus chose to sit down with his disciples and say, Peace, I leave with you. He chose to gather his disciples together and instead of going through, and all, hey, let's all go over here and let's correct this. Let's go over here and let's fix this. Let's go over here and let's do this. He began to teach them and he began to show them, hey, I am getting ready to leave. But I want to make sure that you understand the peace that I'm leaving with you so that you can continue to move on and continue to press forward in your life. Not, come on guys, we're going to go over here and we're going to get in the middle of Jerusalem and we're going to snap our fingers and watch this really cool thing. And we're going to make sure that all the poor people have all the things that they need. No, he didn't do that. He gathered those group, he gathered those disciples and he said, listen, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world. And we go through from 22 on, and, but we see and, and we come to 27, he says, peace I leave with you. Listen, I want to give you the peace of God that you can continue to move on with your life. Because I won't be here always. He says to these men, and we'll get to some of these passages, I want you to believe in what I've said and have done. I want you to have an unshakable faith. I want you to have a peace that no other can give. I want you to have a joy that the world cannot begin to think of. I want to leave these things with you. In verse number 26, he gives them the answer. And he says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Again, I'm... Jesus looks at these guys. In the midst of knowing what's about to take place in his life, and he says, I've taught you a lot of things. You've seen all kinds of things. Can you imagine, hey, I'm leaving and you're supposed to now take this and you're supposed to teach people. You're supposed to do all this. And they're going, wait, Jesus, we don't have the right book. Wait, God, we don't, we don't have the right thing from, from, from Professor such and such. What are we going to do? How are we supposed to remember all, this thing, all these things? And he says, listen, the Holy Ghost is going to come and he is going to dwell in you. And you will remember all the things that I have taught you and all that we have done. Hey, can I tell you something? <laughs> Here we have it. And you and I today, because of what Jesus said way back in John 14, I'm going to give you the comforter. He is going to come. And they will remember. And they remembered it. And they put it into God's Word. And you and I are able to read it. And we are able to remember it. And we're able to put it into memory. And we're able to live it. And we're able to do all these things. Why? Because He gave the Holy Spirit. He gave the Holy Ghost way back then. So that we could what? And we'll go through this. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Could believe that we would have faith, that we would have joy, that we would have peace. In 1 Corinthians, he says, We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? I should get, I don't know, is that on the screen at all? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 12, I'm sorry. He says this, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And as we'll read in the next few verses in John chapter 14, we'll see something very, very similar. That we received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Why? For what purpose? That we would know the things that are given to us of God. As we get into this sermon this morning, I want us, if nothing else, I want you to think about something. 
a passage that many of us know that many of you could quote in Timothy, that the Word of God is given by inspiration. But if we look at that passage in 2 Timothy 3, 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, instruction, righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And we look at this. Hey, let me, let me, if nothing else this morning, let me challenge you, let me encourage you, let me ask you, I don't, let me plead with you, when you read the Scriptures, when you read the pages of God's Word that He's given you, be amazed because you are reading God's Word. That in John, when Judas asked the question, how? How will we know? How will we continue? How will we do those things? And he gave it to them in this Holy Spirit, and they then penned it down in word, and you and I, by the inspiration of God, have it today. We ought to be more amazed than we are at the book that sits in our lap, or the phone that it's on, or the iPad that it's on, or the screens that are on, whatever it is. We ought to be more amazed. How then? How? Will you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Point number one is the death of a Savior. If you would go with me, we're going to go to the end and we're going to work our way back. In verse number 30 and 31, my points are smaller or less than my uh, introduction for some of you that are like, holy cow, this guy is not stopping. Verse number 30. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. As we go to the end, these verses take us to where Jesus is basically saying, hey, I'm leaving. And he says in that passage, I will not talk much with you. And he says this, For the prince of this world cometh. He's saying, and he's letting them know, the devil, the enemy, is coming. The enemy is going to come. And, and we would know now, if you've studied Scripture, if you've been in church, you, you may know that, that the enemy, Satan, is called the prince of the air of the world. There's a number of different names that that Lucifer or Satan is called. But when we look at this, he's he's called the prince of the world. And he says, I'm just letting you know, I will be leaving and the prince of this world will be coming. And here's what he says that is awesome. The very next thing out of his mouth. And hath nothing in me. Here's what Jesus was saying to the disciples. Hey, I'm going to let you know. It's going to be a short time and I'm going to be gone. I'm about to go and they're going to arrest me and they're going to take me and they're going to, they're going to beat my body and they're going to spit upon me and they're going to blaspheme my name and they're going to do all these things and I'm going to be hung upon a cross. I just want you to know He has nothing on me. There is nothing that that man has on me. He has nothing. And he continues to go on in verse number 31. But that the world may know what? That I love the Father. Hey, listen, disciples. It may be hard to see what you're about to see. I just want you to know that I am doing this only because I love the Father. I am allowing this to happen only because I want you to know and I want you to recognize that I love Him. The prince of this world has nothing on me the enemy has nothing on him hey that's exciting stuff easter will be coming around in a little while and we'll we'll talk about the cross and we'll see the resurrection and we'll have excitement Woo! we're excited we're celebrating but throughout the rest of the year oftentimes we forget the fact that he died and he rose again why because the enemy the prince of the world has nothing on him He conquered death, hell, and the grave. You know what that means? The sin that reigns in our lives, He's conquered it. And He let those disciples know way back then, I just want you to know, and I want you to, I want to be very, very clear with you, 
He isn't coming because He's taking over my power. He isn't coming because of anything that He has done. He isn't coming to do these things. He's not going to take my life. I'm going to lay my life. He's not going to take the power. I'm going to give Him power. He's not going to do all those things only because of what I've allowed to take place. Hey, that should shock our world. Because we don't live like that. How is it that this is happening? Because of the death of a Savior. That He laid down His life. That the Holy Spirit would come. And as we, as we bow our heads and as we accept Jesus Christ into our life, He's going to give us peace. He's going to give us comfort. He's going to do all of those things. Not because the enemy came and took power. Not because the enemy did anything, but because it was allowed by an almighty God. The death of a Savior. The cross was not the root of evil. It was the compliance of love. Think about that. The cross wasn't the root of evil. It was the compliance of love. He said in 31, he had, well in 30, I, He hath nothing in me but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Out of love of the Father. Because of death, my, the, because at the death of my Savior, he was cowering to the prince of the world? No. No. No, he loved his Father enough that he laid himself down so that all would know I love him. So that all would know. Listen, the stuff we see every day, it's not a surprise to my God. The people and the folks that want to blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ, it's not a surprise to Him. There will come the day, and I've said it many, many, many times, where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The death of a Savior. It is the death and this love that is the heart of peace. And it is this love that as we continue is at the, the heart of faith being the next point. As we continue, if you go back up to 29. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe, ye might have faith, ye might trust. He's going through all of this and he's, he's teaching all of these, these folks and he's, or these disciples and he's giving all of these things and he lets them know, he says, before, before any of this happens, I'm just letting you know what's about to take place and I'm letting you know it because when it happens, you will believe because I already told you. What if Jesus would have just went to the cross and Jesus would have died and he never would have foretold it? None of the, none of the prophets of old would have foretold it. None of those things. We would have all looked at him and said, ah, I don't know about that guy. When you go all the way back to the beginning and all throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, it's been foretold from the day one. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. But he let them know all throughout. You go through the prophets of the Old Testament and they let it, it's out there. Hey, there's coming a king. A king is coming and, 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 and we go through and it goes through the lineage of David and we go through all of these different things and it speaks very, very plain and very boldly of, of what's about to take place. And Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, is letting them know, hey, I will be leaving but when I go, I want to give you this stuff. All throughout the Gospels. And he does it. Why? So that when it happens, they would have faith and they would believe. That they would recognize his love of God. His Father. But that they would have faith 
that they would know, that they would believe. The disciples, he says, just trust me. Hey, have faith in me. I've predicted this. I'm letting you know this. I've prophesied this. It's been prophesied. Hey, have faith in me. Can I tell you, believer, this morning, maybe you don't know Christ as Savior. Can I just encourage you? Can I challenge you? Hey, have faith. It was prophesied long ago. Hey, the thing that you went through, that you're going through, have faith. Why? Do you know one of the strongest things that I have, or why I have faith? I'm glad you're interested. Here's why. Because I've seen it time before. There's never been a time where I've been dropped on my face and God wasn't there. There's never been a time in my Christian walk, though I may have seen things that that didn't make me happy, that didn't whatever, there were circumstances that were not good. There was never a moment where God was just like, huh, have fun with that one. I'll catch you over here later. No. No. I can go upstairs, and I'm not the greatest journal in all the world, but I can go upstairs and I can pull out different journals throughout my life and I could say, hey, I remember this moment. I'll never forget in January of 2002, sitting in the uh, in, uh, Schilling Center at Liberty University at the far corner of the room, bawling my eyes out saying, God, I need to come back and I need to make sure that I'm right with you. I wrote it down. I'll never forget that moment. Hey, I'll never forget the moment when you as my congregation called me to be the pastor of Oasis Baptist Church. I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget so many different moments that have taken place in my Christian life. Steps of faith. I'll never forget that moment. Murray's not in here. He had to go get his wife. But I'll never forget the moment when I walked in and Troy was up in the office and he said, Aaron, there's not a dime left in our account. Never forget that moment. I'll never forget the moment walking down the steps, coming down at the bottom of the steps. Murray was standing down there, and we came right in this auditorium. We just started praying, God, I have no idea what in the world you're doing. And I'll never forget that moment when that debt that was taken was paid off because God worked a miracle in it. Hey, I have faith. Why? It was predicted. It was foreknown. Long before me, he had it ready. And he let it know. And in my faith, and I challenge you in your faith, don't stop. Look back on your life. You say, I don't have any crazy moment like that. Yes, you do. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? That's the only and the greatest thing that you can look back on and say, there was a day where I bowed my knee and that was the only thing that you need. He doesn't owe me anything. But I can look back and I can, I can count the, the times. God, you showed up. God, you showed up. This week, the text message from Dad. Hey, they can't find any more ailment. The treatment is done. Hey, that's another mark on the faith. Because I can look back and I can say, hey, that's my God. And every one of you in this room has those same things. Each and every one of us. Jesus just looked at those disciples and he said, I told you beforehand, you just believe and you have faith. The next one is joy this morning. And I'm not going to rehash this from last week. But in verse 28, he says, You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice. You would have joy in your heart because I said I go unto the Father For my Father is greater than I. Though God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit are all the same, they all hold different roles and they all have different, I guess you could say, responsibilities. And the Son humbled Himself to the Father and He said, He is greater than I. And I'm going. And I'm going to be with my Father. You have joy that I am with one greater than I. 
And I have joy in him, and he has joy in him, which ultimately trickles down back through the process. Part of this peace is that we would have joy. Let me ask you this, and have you ever had joy outside of peace or peace outside of joy? When I'm a miserable dude, I'm not joyful, and typically, I'm not very peaceful in my life. The decisions that need to be made aren't the best decisions if I make them in the midst of my misery, because I'm not at peace, and I'm not at joy, because those are internal things between me and God. Our joy isn't the joy of this world. The foundation of our joy is so much greater than that of the world. It has an eternal root, that root of knowing Christ. Let me get to the last point this morning. And that is in verse 27. Peace, I leave with you my peace, I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This morning as we kind of wrap this up. One of the greatest and most humbling things. There were so many different things that were going through my mind as I was studying, as I was preparing, and then this weekend going to the, the men's conference and being uh, just taught the Word of God even, even more this weekend. I was so convicted and I was so just convicted over the last week, last few weeks. But it says this, and I started the very, right after the pastor's scripture, I asked you the question, if you could change, if you could control, if you could fix anything What would that be? And here is what's humbling. Here is what's incredible to think about. Here is just what something I cannot wrap my mind around before Christ is going to the cross. He had the opportunity to fix, the opportunity to correct, the opportunity to do anything that he wanted to do. And he looked at his disciples and he said, hey, let me show you something. Because I'm going to be gone. And the Holy Spirit is coming. I'm going to give you the comforter. And in that he says, peace I leave with you. I want you to understand the peace of God in your life. And I want you to understand that so when you leave and when you go about and I'm no longer there, you can still have peace. You can still have joy. You can still be calm. You can still be all these things. There's going to be things that happen to you. Every one of those disciples were killed for the cause of Christ. But guess what? They didn't stop. They didn't shut up. They had a peace of God. And in the midst of all of those things, let me just, this is what's exciting to me. Jesus had you on his mind right before that moment because he went to those disciples and he said all those things and the Holy Spirit would come and all of these things. And millions of billions of people that came after those disciples are able to have peace of God. Why? Because he sent the Holy Spirit, because he died upon a cross that you and I could have peace. Not perfection. Not the lack of circumstances in our lives. I could go from this side to this side and the circumstances that all of us could stand up and say, man, you wouldn't even believe what took place in my life at this time. We could all say those stories. But some of you would say this story was so bad, but let me just share with you how and what God did in the midst of it. That's the peace of God. Here's what I believe. Why God, Jesus, didn't go and calm and fix everything. Because if Jesus, before he went to that cross, would have went and said, Jerusalem, Middle East, hey, be still. Hey, over here, poverty, there is no more poverty. Boom, you're wealthy. Hey, over here, there is no more hardship. There is no more of those things. Here's why I believe with all of my heart he didn't do it, and he did it this way. Because minus the peace of God, there still will not be peace. God could have corrected all the Middle East problems that were caused back in Genesis. But he didn't. Why? Because the only way to cause peace is internal in the heart to come to repentance, to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. And this morning, 
I don't know if I gave you all kinds of stuff that you had never heard about. I'm pretty sure I didn't. But I've counseled. I've spoken. I've shared. I've done so many things over the course of 10 years to try to help people with a peace in their life. And that's really all we want when circumstances come. We're just after that. When people come looking for counseling, they may not say, hey, pastor, can you just give me the the answer that I could have peace? But we want it fixed. Why? So there's a calm in our life. Here it is. Hey, peace I leave with you. And he says, not as the world gives peace. The world looks at peace, as I already stated, as minus trouble. That's not peace. Peace isn't having a nicer car. Peace isn't having a better job. Peace isn't having a bigger home. Peace isn't any of those things. Here's what peace is. Here's what peace is, and I'm done. Maybe. Peace is this. I can't climb up there, but if I could, I would. Peace is Jesus on a cross. Having been beaten, having been bruised, having been spat upon, to the point that he's unrecognizable by man. And he looks over at the guy beside him and he says, Today I will see you in paradise. He looks out across the crowd and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's peace. There's no greater circumstance that you or I will ever face in all of our lives. You know why he has it? It's the same thing that we can have because he had peace with the Father. Hey, let me beg you this morning. Let me beg you this morning. We can have that same peace. We can have the same joy. How do we get away from having a spiritual heart attack and dying out and not wanting to go back to church? How can we get away from having a a spiritual heart attack and not any longer wanting to serve? How can we get away from having a spiritual heart attack and and beginning to backbite and beginning to gossip and beginning to, to question everything leadership does? How can we do those things? Listen, we're all human beings and we're all flawed in so many different ways, but here it starts from the beginning a few weeks ago that we would love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we would pour everything into that, and that we would begin to grow, and that we would begin to see that we need forgiveness, and that we need to give forgiveness, and that we would become more content in our lives because God is all that we need, and that we would become joyful, and that God would fill us with His peace and His joy, and that at the end we could live peaceably. Hey, I can go to bed tonight and I can put my head down and rest at peace with God because I've made right with God because of the blood that was shed for me. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. That doesn't mean hard times won't come. But I can have peace. Let me challenge you, Christian. Maybe one of those throughout that list you're struggling bad in. Maybe you just don't love the way that you used to love. Maybe you haven't forgiven. You're angry. You're bitter. You're beginning to talk. You're beginning, I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe you're just discontent with where you are. God, I don't understand why you've placed me here. Maybe there's no joy in your life. You can't smile anymore. You can't do those things. You, and, and based on all of that, you don't have peace. If they're all not in order, or not in order, but if they're all not there, you cannot have peace. If I can't forgive, I can't be peaceful. If I'm discontent in my life, I'm not having peace in my life. They all go together. Maybe you sit here this morning, and you'd say, Pastor, I just don't know Jesus, the one that you talked about that gives us that peace. I've heard the story of Jesus going to the cross and dying, and I've heard the story that he rose again, but I've never accepted it in my heart. 
I want that peace. I want that comfort in my life. I want to have joy in my life. And I need that. Maybe this morning you would say, that is what you need. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.